All rights reserved, all rights reserved. What up? This is Tommy Co. You know, I really wasn't trying to get into this whole Raz B situation, but I really want to tap in just a little bit because now it's being said that Raz B from B2K is in a coma. They done put this man in an induced coma. Do y'all know what that is? Do you know what an induced coma is? That means they forcibly put this man to sleep. So how how is that? How are they able to just put a whole man to sleep? Like, how are they able to do that? The only other person I knew that was put to sleep like that was a good friend of mine who was already dying from these bullshit-ass chemicals. They were experimenting on her, him, uh, you know, because he, she wanted to be a woman, and they gave him these chemicals that ended up killing him, and he went into a coma and all that. And I went to visit, and they said they had put him in an induced coma. As the only other person I ever knew put into an induced coma. But from what I've seen on the internet, Raz B was looking quite healthy, running around up on that uh, uh, rooftop. I'm not saying that was cool. I'm not ever saying that's good. But the nigga looked like he was healthy. He didn't look like he was going to be in no coma. So the fact that they put this man in a coma, similarly to right now what's going on with Jamie Foxx. Ain't nobody heard from Jamie Foxx. Ain't nobody seen Jamie Foxx. Nobody knows what's going on, and they claim it's because he's been talking about naked basketball with Puffy and all these other freaky-ass men. Now, did they put Jamie Foxx in a coma because of that? Well, most people speculated whatever. Who cares about people and what they do in their bedrooms? Honestly, I don't give a shit, but they keep trying to throw that in the society's face. They're trying to make us get jobs based on it, vote based on it. There's certain protections that are put over for some people more than others. Like, you know, the whole Civil Rights Act was supposed to be for liberation and justice for black people. And then all of a sudden, the motherfucker has it listed for every goddamn body who's considered intrepid. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. They use they use the same drugs that killed Michael Jackson. Propofol. Yes. Propofol. Yeah which is also another drug called fentanyl. Fentanyl and propofol are in the same family. But, um, you know, I just didn't want to super get into this, but it's just really irritating me. I was watching this other thing about slavery and how they treated women who were pregnant and, and, and all that. And it triggered me and it got me to thinking about this brother Raz B. And even though, yeah, they put him in a coma, y'all. Like they just put this man in a whole coma what the fuck? And then his brother, Ricky Romance, I don't know if he still goes by the name Ricky Romance, but that's his name, said that he don't have his phone, nothing. So this that's why he didn't want to go in the hospital. Remember when he first went on live with his broken wrist in Atlanta and he was saying, I don't want to go inside. Remember that? Remember he said, I don't want to go in by myself. You remember that? I don't know if anybody watched that or was paying attention but yeah, they done put this dude in a whole coma, dude. So now it's like, once somebody puts you in a coma, you start making messing with brain waves, start messing with heart rates and shit. You know what I'm saying? How are you going to just put a man, whole man under because he was... This is what really upsets me, y'all. The fact that this man went and apologized and said the complete opposite happened to him by these alleged people, you know? 
uh, I, I met Marcus Houston once when I was in, you know, when I was being managed by Coolio when he was a child, when he was with Immature. I met the whole little Immature. They was really big fans of Coolio. Coolio had done like some kind of theme song or something at the time. So I got to see them. You know what I'm saying? No, I never met Chris Stokes, but I had mutual friends who were managed by Chris Stokes. And they told me some nasty shit about the man, you know, but uh, that's hearsay. Right. So I'm not going to. I, I don't know for a fact, but I know. Let me play this video. That's why I motherfucking brought this throwback on here, because I want to see if y'all think this brother sounds like he lying. You tell me. You tell me. I'm going to play this. If they let me play it. Hold up. For me to be in the film. Why wasn't I in the film in the first place? Because Demir, I mean. Yeah, I know. Demir, Demir was like, yeah. Well, let me give you context. So basically, this is the video that has been snatched off YouTube, put back on YouTube, snatched off, put back on. And this was about 10 or 11 years ago when Raz B was saying this business. Now you tell me if a nigga sound like he lying. You tell me, you tell me. Yeah, Demir was like, yeah, your contract is coming. I'm like, I'm like, it's cool. But the thing is, is that like book, like this, he got something coming. Book, he got something coming, okay? So my thing is, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't protect everybody anymore for Fizz to go out and call me a homo. I can't protect Boog when he gonna set me up. You know about the meeting, Mike one, 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 and Mike and, and in Compton. You know what I'm saying? I can't. How can I? How can I not talk about people's business? You feel what I'm saying? When, when, and the problem is, the problem is, is once I finally tell the truth, completely not the half truth. That's when, that's when everything's gonna completely go right for me in my life. I've been trying to protect Chris, Marcus, Omari. Y'all, everybody have respect for everybody's family, but don't nobody show no love or respect to me. The house book living in him and his family, I put him in it. But don't nobody, but y'all want to take money out of Raz's pocket and make it seem like I'm the crazy nigga. And them niggas don't want to stay in here and back me up, but y'all calling my phone. Like, I'm cool. Hold up. I, I want somebody out there to record this shit because I need, if, if, if this shit ends up getting taken off of YouTube... I need somebody to make sure they record this. If you have an iPhone, y'all can record this for me. Come on, come on, do that. I don't got nothing against you. I don't got nothing against the boys, but like Fizz still to this day never said sorry. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's never really said, Rad, I really got your back. Thank you. Cause you know what? Book, I mean, me and Book, me and Book was in a room together. Chris Stokes put us in a room together and made us do stuff together. You feel me? Me and Jarrell, Houston. So it's like I've been protecting people for a long time. I have nothing to lose. I have no one to fear. And it's just it's tacky. And I don't give a fuck about B2K. Fuck B2K. You know what I'm saying? I am B2K. And and if, if shit ever gonna get right, niggas gonna have to come come clean. Cause you're not gonna live, you're not gonna, you're not gonna sweep anything under the rug. I was molested by Chris Stokes and Mark Houston, and that's the, that's the truth. Period. Well, my truth, my, my truth is, is the fact that Chris Stokes had me and Jarrell Houston in a room sucking each other's dicks. My truth is that, hold on, hold on, Judy, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. My truth is that Jay Book has sex with fucking Leslie. You get what I'm saying? So I'm dealing with everybody's blaming, pointing the finger at me, but ain't nobody backing me. So this ain't nothing that you can do. This ain't have, this only have nothing to do with you. I don't, baby, 
I don't even care about that film. I'm producing the Boogaloo Kid. The movie's already funded. All eight percent of the movie. I don't care. I'm not tripping off the movie. I'm talking about the principle, and you know what I'm talking about because you're a God fearing woman. You know what spiritual warfare we're fighting. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, tri I'm not tripping, but I, I got a problem with Fizz, 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 I got a problem with Fizz. What's the problem? I got a problem with Fizz, because Fizz is the first person to take it in this fucking asshole, and he want to make it seem like I'm a motherfucking homo, and like I'm crazy, and like there's a problem, like I did something to him. I never did anything to nobody. Some random, some tapes got out, and we all know what that was about. Obviously, it was in God's will. I just talked to Quinnin, dude, if you, I just talked to Quinnin for the first time last night. Oh, my God. Oh my God, Quinnin is the same same dude. He went through the same shit we walked through. Yeah, yeah, and in Vibe magazine. Wait till you hear his testimony. So I feel bad for Bug. I feel bad for Fizz. I feel bad for Mar. I feel bad for Marcus Houston. I feel bad for Jerome Jones. I feel bad for all these kids that want to sweep this shit under the rug and act like the shit's okay. What Chris Stokes did. I show so much compassion for everyone, but niggas just spit on me enough, and I'm done with it. So I have I have respect. Where was every where was everybody four or five years ago? Just shut up, Raz. It's okay. Go 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 over to the meeting. Nobody didn't come to the house on my concession, and Fizz didn't come, and they knew all about it. I mean, you know, they don't want no parts of that. Yeah, I, I bet I bet they don't. But they want to. They want to. But he want to go out and speak on me. So guess what? In my book, I'm gonna speak the truth uh, and shame shame the devil. Know, I think you know, Jarrell don't see nothing negative about you. He that I think you know. I've always, I've always starred Jarrell. I've always starred Fizz. I've always starred everybody out. But the, the bottom line is, is unfortunately, we all, unfortunately, guess what? Unfortunately, guess what, Judy? Unfortunately, we all don't want to be a part of it. But it is what it is. And guess what? I'm not going to listen. Let me tell you this. I'm never, I'm never going to tell the half truth again. I'm telling every bit of the truth. Every bit. I don't care. If I was a part of it, if I seen it, if I didn't see it, I won't talk about it. I don't know. So. I mean, that's on you to do. You gotta do it. I exactly. Amen. So, when you go to Korea, you know, no man you, you can throw any stones. Like it's I'm not worth that. So, what do you, what do you, what do you, are you calling to tell me that I'm going to Korea or we're about to shoot a movie or are you guys are calling me because basically you want me to what? I don't. What's going on now? I mean, one, I'm reaching out. Two, I had a conversation with Big U, and if he wasn't very happy about you putting his name, your, his name in your mouth. Who? All the truth telling you're doing. Who? The you. Okay. Okay. Now. Thank you guys. Listen, listen. This is what I'm tricking. You hear the names he's talking about? He's talking about Big U. He's talking about that means he's dealing with whack 100 in them. He was talking about going to Mike Concepcion's house. Okay, I don't know if y'all know who these people are, but in LA, these people are kind of like the gangster-ish kind of gatekeeper type niggas that are supposed to like defend or protect or they help. Um, uh, I remember I was supposed to meet Mike Concepcion back in the early 90s because I was in the music industry too. But I, uh, 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 one of my good friends was friends with his family. And um, Big U, ain't that the nigga that was meeting up with motherfucking Nipsey the night he got, the day he got murdered over there on Crenshaw? 
This shit goes deep, y'all. This shit goes fucking deep. No, I don't think Raz B is lying. And what's up with this uh, two-faced bitch on the phone with him trying to tell him to stop talking? Basically, she sounds like she's saying, tell your shit, but don't talk about Omarion or uh, uh, Lil Fizz or any other, other niggas in the, in the group. It sounds stupid to me to believe that if Ray J, Bow Wow, all these B2K and IMX and Puffy and all these niggas and now Jamie Foxx and all these niggas is coming out. Nay and then fucking y'all y'all remember hearing Nick Cannon? I mean, uh Jamie Foxx mentioning that Nick Cannon, quote unquote, used to spend the night at his house and sleep on his couch. Why did he, Jamie Foxx feel like he needed to tell us that? Why was Nick Cannon at 13 years old sleeping at Jamie Foxx's house? Y'all parents are out there. Would you be allowing your kid, your your male son? I guess on some man shit, you probably did think you probably could let your kid spend the weekend over at Uncle Jamie Foxx's house or Uncle Puffy's house or some shit like that. But, I mean, tell me, give me some feedback. Are y'all just dropping your 13, 12, 13-year-old children over at the fucking manager's house? And also, I learned from the Nickelodeon kids, because I knew kids that used to uh, do acting on the Nickelodeon station, they had these camps where you'd have to spend two weeks away from your parents. Like they wouldn't even sign you to a TV deal if your parents weren't willing to sign some fucking paper saying, oh, we do what we call Nick camp, where all the fucking kids spend the night at Rob Schneider's house for two weeks. And we do what we call bonding. Yeah, we we bond with the kids. We hang out with the kids and we just, you know, bond before we get into filming. And then and what the fuck I heard was the niggas was in the hot, it wasn't niggas, it was white people, in the hot tubs with these teeny bops and all kinds of grown up freaky shit was going on. Sniffing the feats, cunnilingus, all kinds of things. Parents, don't just dive your kid into this situation. Listen, I used to go to Alfie's private teen club back in the 80s. I was hanging out with Ricky Schroeder and Alfonso Ribeiro and Alyssa Milano and Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and all these teeny bops, okay? I didn't witness any weird sexual shit except for the fact that these little 12 and 13-year-old girls, when I was like 15, they would come up to me and my other homegirls and be like, oh my God, we're spending the night at Alfie's house. And that was supposed to be a big deal. The dude named Alfie was the one who was, he was like 40, 50 years old, having kids spend the night in his house. Now we didn't know the word pedophile like that back then. We just said, ugh, he nasty, okay? But these kids was down with it too. They was with it. You know, I know they say, well, they're kids. They can't really know what they're doing. They knew what the fuck they was doing. I'm sorry to tell you. Some of these kids kind of were conscious of, of the fact. I know a lot of grownups took advantage of that shit. But these kids seemed like they were very cognizant. Like, they literally, like, okay, like when Coolio used to take me to some of these MTV parties, I was like in my early 20s. I was in my early 20s. But a lot of the young women... Uh, mostly white women who were in the MTV house and things like that. I remember they didn't have panties on because I remember me and this other homegirl, we was cracking jokes about these nasty little white girls walking around with no panties on trying to get hold up. So, I mean, then they get 35 and they want to be like, oh my God, I was taking advantage of, oh my God. But I remember that because we was making fun of them nasty little white girls that was walking around with no panties on trying to get called out it was trying to get fucked on okay so uh, you know it, i'm not saying this shit was cool i'm not this is completely different than the rasby situation to me 
because they were put in a situation where they was his mama signed him over because he, you know, it's his cousin. You be thinking your cousin ain't gonna try to fuck on you, especially your same sex motherfucking cousin who's supposed to be married with four children. You definitely don't think that, but it's just all nasty. Let me quit keep playing this shit. Y'all, y'all, I hope somebody recording this shit out there. Oh, you're talking about my, you talking about my freestyle. Oh, yeah, that, that is my freestyle doesn't have nothing to do with my freestyle didn't have nothing to do with this. Yeah, because you put his name in it, and that's not a, that doesn't work. Okay, so how big you call? How big you call the phone? How big you call right now? I mean, he's not down. He don't even play like that. I'm just calling on his behalf and just seeing what we can do to kind of put that flow because that just doesn't work. That I mean, that I mean, that, I mean. Well, guess what? Guess what, Judy? Guess what, Judy? Guess what? Can you hear me? Big U and my, my my freestyle rap about Fabulous and Young Jock has nothing to do with what what what, what B2K has to do with and and my life. I why you talking about stuff and you throw the name out there, people don't get to the not associated. So he's just asking that we just kind of keep that on the low and silence that. And if you ever need us, you know we're here. But don't just put it out there like that. And it doesn't make Tell any sense for you to ruffle feathers with your own team. What I'm trying to get you to see, like, what are you trying to get me to see? Has your back, but that's not the case. That is the case, Judy. So why it's they got you the calling? Case. Why they got you calling? Not why? Why they not calling? The mirror, they trying to hit you up on Facebook. Facebook, but he got my why number. He, he got my. He got. Hold on. Hold on. He got. Demir got my number on Facebook, right? Demir got my number. Demir was the one to tell me like the contract was coming for the movie. Why is everybody trying to communicate with me now after y'all done run to Korea and y'all was like, fuck Raz B and everything? Like, come on. He told me your contract was coming. So what is it like then? So what is it like? What is it like, boo boo? I'm trying to understand why somebody took money out of my plate and out of my kid's mouth. Trust me, for how they treated me in Korea, you didn't even want to be there. You wouldn't have stayed. Well, guess what? That's why Raz is the trooper. We should have went over there and battled this out together. I've always had them boys back. Always. Well, can somebody send me the, a contract and stuff like that? Like, I don't have anything. My only problem, my problem is, is if don't nobody want to meet behind, like, Boog or Fizz, they never, like, we, me and Fizz need to talk. The thing is that, here it is, I'm looking like the one... You already know. It's all good. I already know what you're calling I mean, me for. You it's know cool. Why you're looking like that because you're the only one that wants to tell the truth. No, but your battle was believe in the past. Everybody can't handle the truth. So why? So why should I lie? I'm not saying you should. I respect you for saying that because that's what Chris Stokes and that's them wanted me to do. What I'm saying is that consider it's a whole lot better when you have allies and making everybody your enemy. Well, wow, that's some shit. That's some shit because now, years later, he's retracting everything, right? He's retracting everything. And to me, it sounds like a shakedown. Like to me, it sounds like whenever Chris pokes, <laughs> Chris jokes. Now he over here hitting up bloggers, talking about uh, threatening certain bloggers, to, like Night and Day Network, telling them, 
you know, they have 72 hours to cease and, you know, he didn't even cease and desist them. He just was on some, yeah, it's me, Chris Stokes. Uh, you know who this is. Uh, you have 72 hours to, to not post whatever, some shit. My thing is pretty much almost, it seemed like a lot of people already know what's going on. It's like, they just don't want to get involved or they don't want to, you know, talk on the real level about what's going on because everybody's connected. But like I said, it really does get complicated because like people don't want to talk about the fact that in California, you can become a legal adult at 14. You can, you, it's, you know, you can be emancipated. It's called emancipated adult. You know what I'm saying? And if you pay $4,000, you're able to become an adult at like 14 you get all the rights of of an adult you know what i'm saying so a lot of times adults take advantage of that and you know date people when they're teenagers you know what i'm saying and um tell me give me some feedback talk to me chat come on give me something i'm about to play a clip of this hopefully um jason lee allows me to use this hollywood unlock because he even told me said that chris stokes gave him a cease and desist and they couldn't even um what up, King V? They couldn't even post the uh, the interview that they did. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put my uh, link in the chat if anybody wants to sound off on their peen about some shit. Here's the here's the link. You could just click it and and dive in. I'm about to play this uh, Jason Lee interview as much as I can because they did, you know, threaten him too. To talk to you guys about you know this topic of why why are in the, why in the era of a Me Too or time's up have men been forgotten or or displaced in the conversation about uh being treated fairly or having their attackers or uh, brought to justice uh rasby has alleged that his molested him some time ago about seven years ago me and uh charlamagne the god interviewed him and we talked about it and it went viral at the time and since it's been removed from all social platforms but still and yet and still this person hasn't been arrested, hasn't been charged, hasn't been interviewed or, or investigated, I think. Uh, uh, and so my question is, is, why is it that men are not taken serious and they receive justice just like women are? Hmm. Um, well, I will say this. This is going to sound shocking. The answer that a lot of people say is because it's toxic masculinity. We often think that term is only used against men, but toxic masculinity means anything feminine is bad and feelings and vulnerability are considered feminine and so a lot of times when a man comes wants to come out and say that he's been molested he's treated as if he is less than a man because he is somehow doing something that only women are allowed to do and so a lot of times men feel shamed they feel weakened they feel disrespected by other men society doesn't create space for men to be tender and soft and abused and and so vulnerability of any sort which is a tenant of toxic masculinity actually is ironically why when men are abused they too can't speak up because that's a woman thing. Only women get abused. And it really, really sucks. And also too, let's be honest, um, sexual abuse is very normalized in the black community because we are in so much pain and mental health only became a thing that we started talking about publicly a couple of years ago. You, Charlemagne the God, and several other people have made that a lot more popular, but it's fairly new. And so we're used to people saying they have that weird, creepy uncle that they don't want to leave you alone in the room with. That weird creepy uncle is a, is a molester, right? But we don't want to say that. And so I think it's just really easy for people to hide in, in plain sight. Look at R. Kelly. It took him 30 years for him to finally be called out because of Me Too. And I'm hoping Black men will finally have space to be able to 
to speak out about and, what and, st and still even with r kelly there's a, there's women that were advocating for him to get bailed out people raising money to support him people defending him and wanting him to be released because he has a good song so it is an issue in our community that we don't want to talk about and i also feel like for the last seven years people that have not allowed this story to continue in the headlines and continue to give uh, air to it or or, or or put breath in his lungs have been complicit in defending the predator or the alleged predator that took advantage of him and so damaged as a man. Why do you believe that, um, you know, this topic is, is a topic? Why, why do you believe that men are not taken serious or, or finding justice in situations like this? I love what Blue said, man, toxic masculinity. And um, like you said, we, we use it to shame men or go at men. But at the same time, it's that same thing that stops men from coming out and speaking. And a lot of times if a man comes out in Raz B situation, it's a man, you know, molesting a man. Well, in a, in, a, in a lot of situations, there's older women that touch on young guys, you know, and if you were to go to tell somebody about that in the community, it's like, yeah, that's supposed to happen. You don't like that. What are you gay? And you get shamed for just being uncomfortable with a situation that you have the absolute right to be uncomfortable with at eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, man, up to whatever age. If you're not comfortable with somebody touching on you, you should be able to say that. But I feel like as a man, it's sometimes, uh, especially if it's a woman doing that to you, it's something you're supposed to embrace. It's I've been blessed with the opportunity to have men feel open enough to talk to me about some of these things. And I've had several men in my close relationships really share with me about them having been sexually abused by women. A lot of men don't talk about that. A lot of men are pumped to tell, to think that's fucking cool, but it's not, it's sexual abuse. It don't matter if it's a woman to a boy or a man to a girl or by, or whatever, man, a boy, woman, a girl, when I was teaching at Crenshaw High School out in Los Angeles, I had quite a few, not just two, not just three, quite a few black young teenage sisters share with me about older fucking women uh, sexually molesting them as well. And them not feeling comfortable telling their mothers or fathers about being molested either because it's usually the respected family friend or some bullshit like that. But um, uh, but men in particular, yeah, I've had I've even had a boyfriend or two share with me about the nasty, creepy white man in the hood who used to pay young boys in the neighborhood to play with his dick or give him money, you know, to do whatever to them in, in Compton, in Watts, in L.A., in South Central. That happens, you know, not just in Hollywood. You know, it's happening in people's families. People aren't talking about it. I think they're talking about it more now more now than ever before. And people do say that it extends from back in slavery when they used to have, but everybody wasn't a fucking slave, but a lot of people adopted nasty behaviors from slavery and it needs to go away. The way you can really talk about something to me, I mean, the way you get rid of something is to talk about it. It's kind of like that pimple, you know, that pimple that is, is, is right about to pop, but nobody wants to pop it. But once you pop it, all that oozy pus comes out and then you can clear it up with some alcohol. To me, that's like molestations. A lot of we know a lot of women. They say one out of three women have been sexually abused. But what they really don't talk about is like half of the brothers, too. Two out of four, two out of four men, young men have been molested. And that means by men and or women. And a lot of times, even as a teacher out here, in 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 the in the valley and in, in the desert, we had to do a whole workshop on uh, children molesting each other. Like sometimes, you know, young adults 
molests younger children. When I was working in Compton, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of big brothers molesting little sisters. Uh, but there's also a lot of big sisters molesting little brothers. Now, we heard about R. Kelly's story. R. Kelly supposed his sister was sexually molesting him from like eight or nine years old till he was like 13 or something, having sex with her own fucking brother. You know what I'm saying? And we don't talk about this shit enough. And it needs to come out. It needs to talk. I don't think it's by accident. Jason Lee, you know, who does Hollywood Unlocked, he he's gay, right? He's supposed to be gay. And, and quite a few of the podcasters that I watch, like um, uh, Armand Wiggins, uh, Storm Monroe. Um, I, I know I'm missing somebody, but, I, I, you know, oh, Sean Davey Way. They tend to, they really get into the Rasby B2K, Chris Stokes situation because of the fact that um, they've been sexually molested in their lives. And, and a lot of people don't want to connect a brother being gay to him being molested um, or a brother being violent or abusive to him having been molested. Um, but it indeed is connected. You know what I mean? Everybody's not born gay. Some people are fucking molested. And, and just because you're molested doesn't mean you have to be gay, but it does mean that you need to be able to have a safe space to share that pain of that. Now, in another interview I saw Raz B, I think his whole issue was, uh, and I saw this with another artist too on the Oprah show, but was talking about how, you know, for years he kind of thought he was gay. You know what I'm saying? A nigga thought he was gay. And then he realized in his mid twenties, no, he's not gay. He don't like fucking niggas or having sucking dick or having his dick sucked by another man. He really likes women, you know, and that's when he really felt, you know, fucked up in the head because he's like, damn, you know, my first sexual encounters was with the same sex, you know, was with a, another boy, you know, or another man. And uh, I realized, you know, after I've had a chance to not have that experience that I don't really like that experience. You know what I mean? Sometimes these kids is forced into being fucking gay. You know, and that goes into the whole Gabrielle Union, David Wayne Wade shit with the exploitation of their kid. And nobody's dissing gay. So don't try to flip this, anybody out there. It ain't on that tip. It's on the tip of, hey, exploitation is exploitation. Sexual abuse is sexual abuse. And if men have been sexually abused, then I feel like brothers need to be able to to be more um, upfront about that without being ridiculed, teased or anything like that, because pain is pain. You know what I'm saying? And abuse is abuse. I see I lose, I'm losing some people. Well, that's just how it fucking goes. It goes, the people who hear me, hear me. And again, if you'd like to speak your opinion, you don't have to show your face if you don't want to. But if you have an opinion about what the fuck I'm talking about, then hop on this bitch and talk. But anyways, until then, I'm pressing play on this part of manhood you're supposed to like that but you know it, it creates a weird narrative in your head and you don't know when to speak out because you feel shamed if you really be vulnerable and say you're feeling so this is me really just piggybacking off of what blue said that was phenomenal because i've been in those situations well, yeah and as a gay man you know people they they try to blend the lines of homosexuality and being a victim of a predator and those are two distinct different things i think sometimes it's easy to try to just mold it all together to shape a narrative that makes you feel comfortable yeah you're you're wild, crazy uncle who was touching you is a predator who should be in prison, your cousin, your manager, your whoever, right? And I feel like, again, 
creating conversations like this and giving men an opportunity to come forward and being taken seriously. You know, I'm going to be talking to Raz B one-on-one and I'm going to strip away all of the perception. You can strip, you know, yes, he's an artist. Yes, he's had online antics. Yes, he said a lot of wild things. Uh, but does that mean that we should negate the fact that he's been a young man crying for help and having somebody who allegedly sexually abused him brought to justice? I don't think so. But I'd be interested in seeing what people think in the comments. I'd like to welcome Raz B to the show. Uh, Raz, the last time I saw you or that we actually did an interview was about seven years ago. And uh, it was a pilot that I was doing at the time with Charlemagne the God, Claudia Jordan, and Little Mo. And and I had called Ricky, your brother, and asked that he have you come on our show as a, as a pilot. And that show ended up becoming the first ever viral interview that I've ever done. And it did, the show didn't go anywhere, but the viral video went everywhere. And that was where you had come on to talk about all the allegations at the time that you had made about um, in the media. And then um, I didn't get a job and Charlemagne did, but uh, nonetheless, I'm glad that I ended up having my own platform so that way we could come together. And it's good to see you. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Wow, what a, what a, what a huge memory. That was a very controversial uh, time in my life. Uh, very dark time, very painful time in my life. I felt like I was just being bullied. I felt like I was bullied so much for... I moved to China. I mean, I had a great opportunity over there. I was able to reinvent myself and really grow as a man and mature. But that was that was rough. You know, it, uh, I learned a lot about the world. I learned a lot about people. So, you know, I just always, you know, focus personally on my, my own mental health and make sure that my spirit and my relationship with the Lord is intact. Because in this world, bro, you, you've got to be strong. Because if you're relying for other people for your happiness, for your love, the world will turn it back on you. And I'm the same kid that gave y'all all these great records, the same kid that pretty much was crying out for help. You know what I mean? And nobody was there to help me. Nobody was there to support me. Everybody turned their back on me. You know what I mean? So it, it was a rough situation in my life, you know, but uh, you, you live and you learn and you just uh, you just keep it pushing. And that's, uh, that's why I'm still here. I'm still pushing. So everybody knows you are one of the four members of the infamous group B2K. You guys have fans, millions and millions of fans all over the world. I remember when B2K, you know, kind of hit the scene. I'm a lot older than you. So I remember when y'all hit the scene, every girl loved B2K and, and just everybody embraced the fact that, you know, uh, for the generation that you had entered the, the industry, you know, you were another boy band group that, you know, people had fell in love with before, you know, the Jodeci's and the Boyz II Men's and even before then with other historical groups. What do you think it was that made the fans fall in love with each of you as an individual and collectively as a group? Well, one thing I, I would say was really unique about B2K, I was in the group. <laughs> I was very grown up seeing having family in the business. I was inspired to one day have my own group. I feel like we had a lot of development in the talent and uh, talent area, but I, I don't feel like we had enough development to grow up to be the shit when it broke up, but we had the proper development or maybe we just had the wrong team, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I believe each, each and every one of us were, were unique. Uh, we were, we, we were special in our own way, but I really feel that my driving force and the spirit that I had in me, I always wanted to have a group. So I always, you know, it was it was that spirit in me. I feel that made it made that group really go. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to this. This doesn't take anything from none of my boys, but you know, my family has has had you know uh, success in the music business. So when you when you're a kid, you 
you want to emulate that. And I feel like that was the driving force. But, you know, each and every one of us was talented. And most importantly, we had Tommy Matola behind us. We had, we had millions of dollars and we were a talented group. And I think we um, it was our time. Okay, so when I when I think of Rasby, I think of Rasby from B2K. So Rasby, the young performer, Rasby, the young singer, Rasby, the young dancer. But take the audience back to Rasby the kid. So like, who were you before the group? What type of kid were you? What were your dreams? What were your ideals for the world ahead of you? And who did you want to be? And how did you see this industry helping to shape that? Right, good question. Well, Rasby as a kid, um, from my mom's eyes, she said I was always outgoing, funny. I would always sing in public at the Mexican market. She said I would always buy the little girls uh, ice cream. You know, I don't just go and buy. She's like, I've always been a giver. Um, and I've always been an entrepreneur. So I just knew I would be doing, I knew I'd be selling something because my mom had a store, you know, for the most part. Um, I still ask myself this question today. I say, being in the music industry, was this really my dream or was it somebody else's dream? Because I know I, my brother was really inspired to be in the business. And, you know, one day, I, one day I look up and he got me in talent shows and yeah, I got some talent, but I didn't really know if I wanted to pursue this because sometimes when you're inspired by something that's just so close to you, it makes you think that's what you want. But now that I'm older, I mean, I still love making music because I love making music. I love the business because I understand the business. But I, I'm more fascinated with the platform that I have and the access that I have to be able to reach the people to be able to make a difference. It's about pushing the human race forward. So essentially, being in the music industry has given me the platform to just grow and be a better man and be able to use my harness my skills. But Rasby, the kid, were you a happy kid? Did you like what? What was was there a light in your eye? Were you a kid that came? I mean, I know that you had some. You know, you you didn't have the easiest uh, upbringing. I know you ended up going to live with your cousin, but I'm trying to get to who you were as a person before the fame, before the mega fame, because you guys didn't just become famous. You guys were infamous. You couldn't go anywhere. Raz, um, well, I grew up without a, without a father, but my mom was so loving. Um, always kept us in the church, always would take us out the hood, take us to Disneyland or take us to the park and, you know, take us to fly kites. So I felt like I had enough love in me, um, to, to, to develop my, uh, myself. Mm, just an outgoing kid. I love to have fun. You know what I mean? Um, just a good kid, just a good kid out of the way. I think, uh, with having domestic violence in, in the home that started, and having a brother who's kind of just running around crazy led to, you know, petty theft, you know, um, just little stuff. And I feel like it was a blessing that I was able to, you know, go live with my family because I was able to dodge what potentially could have turned into something different. I could have wound up in jail. I could have wound up dead. When you live in a 10th Avenue of Crenshaw, I went to Hyde Park, you know what I'm saying? Um Anything could happen, but I'm I'm just I'm just, I'm just grateful by the by the grace of God that um, I'm not in jail, dead, or or, or, or causing harm, you know. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to describe myself because you know that's why I think this documentary I have coming up. I'm, we're interviewing a lot of my friends, and you know uh, that actually know me. I feel like that's going to allow for people to really get a judge of character because I don't want to uh, really speak too much on myself, but you know. 
Got a big heart, man. The reason why I asked the question is because I wrote a book where I detailed a lot of the things that I went through, right? And in writing the book and having to go through the details of all the traumatic experiences, me being molested, right. me being abandoned, me going to foster care, me being shot, me watching my brother die, I had to relive a lot of the trauma. And I had to try to go back when I wrote the book, I had to try to go back to find that young, innocent Jason who always had a smile on his face, who hadn't been taken advantage of, who hadn't been exposed to the world, who hadn't been exposed to evil. I had to go back to because I had lost him. I, I had forgot about him. And so I'm trying to see if you remember who that guy was, because we know who Raz B is, the artist. We know who Raz B the headline is, but we don't know Raz B the kid. We don't know Raz B before he got exposed to all of us, you know? Right. No, I, I, I agree. I just used to, you know, stay out of the way for the most part. You know, I always would play my sports, my basketball, my video games. But, yo, when you're when you. When you're at when you're in foster care or group or group home, this is this is before this is under the age of 13. So these are the years that I'm starting to develop. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, between like eight and eleven, like that's when I see my whole world start to, you know, change because my mom got with this dude who's doing 25 years of life, you know, and I just really seen my whole life change. And then now I'm in foster homes, now I'm in group homes. Then before I come out, then I come out of a group home a year later, I'm going to live with my cousin. And then you know, I go through that whole stuff. So, you know, I still feel that the same innocent kid is in me. Um, and that's the part that I protect the most. Like you said, before you before you went through the, you know, the, 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 the traumatic events, those things take you so far away from self. You have to find that who you are. So I think my journey thus far that I'm still on is still um, help me reconnect with myself and who I am as a person. When you say you protect that part of yourself, who are you protecting that part of yourself from? Probably probably from myself. <laughs> Real talk. You know, I, I had a lot of pain and you know, there's a lot of people that's going through things worse than I have. I'm just grateful, you know, people, somebody say, well, well if you had any regrets, would you turn your hand and turn back the hand of time? All of these things have actually built me up into the person that I am. Why I would never try to harm a kid. Why I have integrity and respect for all women, all life. Um, you know, I just, you know, yeah, man, that's deep. You got me thinking, boy. Listen, I can tell you. So you already wrote a, you already wrote a book, Jay. So boy, you already like you there. I'm, I'm still reaching. <laughs> one of the quote no because the documentary that we're going to talk about is it's going to revolutionize the, your life in how you see yourself because it's going. Well, let me just say that documentary never came out. If you want to see more of this interview, let me show you where to go. It's Jason Lee. It's Raz B on sexual abuse, being blackballed in gay rumors. It's a whole hour and twenty-two minutes. I don't want to play the whole hour and twenty-two. But um, I am just over it. Like, I'm just, it's because they put the motherfucker in a coma, y'all. What up, Tracy? What up, y'all? What up, Evelyn? Great topic. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't even trying to really tap into this topic too much. I'm trying to tell you. It's just that when they said they put him in a coma, they put him in a fucking coma. What is that shit? You know, it made me immediately think of when uh, I'm, I, I used to read a lot of biographies when I was young. And um, I remember reading about, you know, John F. Kennedy's family 
And I remember their mother, Rose Kennedy, uh, and he had a sister who was considered kind of special needs. I think we would call her having autism today. And she used to go out in the Harlem. She used to hang out with a lot of black people, the sister, John F. Kennedy's sister, right, in the 1940s. And then um, I think she got pregnant by a black dude. And they was just like, first of all, she was white and single. And this is like in Boston, you know, and uh, unmarried, all that. So they made her have an abortion and they gave her a lobotomy. They gave her a lobotomy. Do you know what a lobotomy is? That's when they take the first front part of your fucking brain out, you know, and then they just put her in a fucking mental institution until she died. She just died like maybe five years ago. So they had this Kennedy chick in the fucking mental place all these years from the 1940s because she had sex with a black dude and hang, hung out with black people. I'm mentioning that because the fact that they think they can just induce you and put you in a coma is crazy, man. That shit is, hello, everyone's healing for that broken chakra it has to be a spiritual experience by a healer. You know, that was super deep, Evelyn. Look, y'all, I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna put my, uh, I'm gonna put my uh, link right here jump on just jump on i'm only gonna do a couple more minutes of this because it's too deep to try to tap into one thing and it's just too deep but just just talking about Raz b right quick um no i don't think he was lying uh the fact that he retracts things and things like that i think he'd be trying to shake them down for money or like movies or or opportunities you know and then when that shit don't pop off the way he wants that's when he goes and tells the business, you know what I'm saying? And then I guess he feels guilty for kind of exploiting that experience. So, you know, he what, up? what up, KB? What up? What, what's up? What's up, Tamiko? Peace, peace, brother. What yeah. you to say? Give me like two minutes. What's up? Bust it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I remember I had watched the, uh, I watched the DVD. It was uh, it was about uh, like blood sacrificing and all of that type of shit, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember um, Raz B, he was on there, and he was he was saying something about that um, that like he 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 got fonder with. Mm -hmm. And I, um, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he said, I think, I believe it was uh, Omarion's brother. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I, I forget his name. Uh, Orion. His name is Orion. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Said that um, they was laying in the bed or some shit like that. And he, um, like, like he told him something like, you know what I mean? It ain't going to hurt or nothing like that. Oh, you know? yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that stuff, what you, what you just showed, you know what I'm saying? And what the uh what the uh uh, uh black sister said on there about men scared to come out and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now far as far as the ones that, that done got taken advantage of, I can understand why it's hard for them to come out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because because they don't want to feel like, oh, you know what I'm saying, uh uh that's uh that's gay of you or some shit like that or you liked it some shit like that you know what i mean yeah 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 and then with the coma with the coma or yeah the, what's up with that hey i hey hey when you said that i'm that's my first time hearing hearing that right there 
And I'm like, I didn't even know that they did that to Kennedy's uh uh daughter. what his daughter. Yeah, I didn't know that. Pretty sister, yeah. I didn't even Joe know that. She, I didn't know that she had a baby by uh or or got pregnant by a black man. Yeah, she got pregnant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that had to be black people. And they was like, no, because initially they thought that their older brother Joseph Kennedy was gonna run for president, but he ended up dying in an airplane crash during World War II. So then they was like, Well, we got the next mm -hmm. kid. Cause they had like eleven kids or some crazy shit, you know. So they just picked the next one. I think I think I think uh um them putting her in that coma not only just because she got pregnant by a black dude is because she could have you know what I'm saying? Since her daddy, you know what I'm saying, uh, messed with us, they could have got tried to like, you know what I mean, put her down to keep her from, you know what I mean, talking Definitely. about a lot of stuff. Definitely, they gave her a lobotomy. They took a piece of her brain out and just made her like a uh, vegetable. Yeah, that's why. Wait, let me look that up. That was John. Let me look that up real quick. No, I that's don't even wild right there. Y'all can yeah. look that up. That was John F. Kennedy's uh, uh, sister. Yeah. I, a, a man has glands called prostate, similar to a woman's hymen, but we are made to handle penetration. A man's body is not. Ooh, yes. So what's, what, what you're talking about, Evelyn, I had just, I mean, there's some kundalini and some uh, chakric things like, yeah, in the prostate. Yeah, like if you touch a certain part of a man's prostate from the outside or the inside, it can give them a type of, a man, a type of orgasm. But I don't even think that a lot of men are what necessarily... <laughs> Having sex oh. is a feeling. I think hey. it's a power, power control thing. And from what I was studying about the Indian, the the Indians from back in the day, they thought that having sex with a like we, you were a soldier. This is going back to Trojan times too, back to the Roman times. Uh, a lot of brotherhoods think that when you have sex with your brother, or not literally, but like your sex with your uh, like your teammate or somebody you're at war with, in war with that bonds you. They think that that's a type of bonding. And even in these fraternities, right? Even these some of these Greek fraternities or black Greek fraternities, allegedly, sometimes there's dick play involved because it kind of bonds the brothers. I remember in my creative writing class back in college, this white kid was writing about his experiences dealing with like, I, I don't want to get too deep, but he would say that sometimes these, these brotherhoods would have the men stand in circles and jack each other off, you know what I'm saying? And that was supposed to be like a, a ritual, a bonding. And then they would wipe the nut off, uh, you know, on whatever napkins, paper. He went into details, okay? And I never forgot that shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, your root chakra, Evelyn. A lot of times your root chakra is overused too, you know what I mean? That when she's talking about your root chakra, she's talking about your reproductive area where the chakra is in that area. But it's overused at times. It's just not used in the righteous way. But back to Raz fucking B. Woo! Yeah, his brother Ricky Romance went on a show and said that they had his brother was put into a coma. So I, allegedly, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's what they saying. Meanwhile, y'all, I have wanted to play like this other clip. This is shout out Sean Davy Way. Sean Davy Way, you witnessed the Evelyn Flex. Evelyn, you got to come up on my show, girl. You got to tell about that. You got to quit playing. Come on. Play. I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put another, I'm going to put the link right here. You got to, that's not something you can just write about, girl. You got to spill. But while you're thinking about getting on here, let me play this. This is by Sean Davy Way. If you want to see this, 
surviving Chris Stokes. He's been doing years of research on this situation, but I'm just going to play this little clip. Didn't. No, you didn't. Hmm. So like it says right here, in 1995, how he wrote the song for Immature's album. So when he wrote that song, that means his mom was going through cancer while he's recording, you know, and all of that. Okay. Then, but two years later, his mother gave up with the deadly, um, to the deadly cancer, making him a grieving young boy. Not young man, boy. He was a minor when she died, all right? He was 16, 17 years old. He was 15. Shit, it's, it's with the... However, this did not stop him from releasing Immature's fourth album and landing a comedy role in Good Burger. Why would he have been needed to do all that grieving his mother? Chris, you were forcing him to work. Don't nobody want to work. Your fucking mom is dying and then dies. Like, you don't want to work. You don't want to do none of that shit. Shit, he human just like us. Shit, he ain't no demigod. He, he, no, he a human being. They have feelings, emotions, all of that, just like you. Well, you don't. But I'm just saying. So for him to act like he cared about Marcus, no, you didn't. You did not care about him. Stop saying that bullshit. You cared about business. You care about making sure that check cleared. So all the fuck you gave about, you ain't give a fuck about this man. So um, let's keep going. Okay, so I'm trying not to, but this should be pissing me off as I'm reading it. Okay, so um, meanwhile, his band was going through a tremendous change that included breaking um, of their voices, okay, um, and the psychological status that they were now mature boys. Um, that was why in 1998, the band changed its name to IMX. This band would then release two albums, introducing IMX in 1999 and self-titled um, album in 2001 before dissolving in 2002 due to different pursuits of careers. Marcus, um, who had who had had an album, um, what? Oh, my fault. Who had been showing signs of um, going solo since 2002, had no uh, trouble establishing it. He had frequently sung with the Mariana B2K members even before IMX parted ways. He was indeed the first member of Immature to release a solo album through the single clubbing, entered the UK top 20, and the album received the back of um, the notable Javan Dupree. MH failed to get um, big success as an album. Um, it sold, damn, uh, 4,000. I'm going to fast forward this a little bit, but Jermaine Dupree also been on the nasty, nasty man list. I worked with nasty ass Jermaine Dupree. I did not like, not like his energy at all. He was very disrespectful to the women on set, but that's another story for another day. Look at this picture. This is the guys from Immature. Now you see the little Filipino boy right there, that right there, that boy, his parents took him out the group. I remember when my homegirl was being managed by Chris Stokes around this time. And she told me that the parents wasn't feeling how Chris Stokes was managing them. So the parents took him out the group. Let's see if they tap into that at all. Replaced uh, Ty Dollar Sign. And then LDB came and replaced Half Pint. Okay. So that's not Romeo. Although they favor, they look a lot alike. They do. They favor. 
but that is Ty Dolla Sign. Okay? It's not Romeo. <laughs> it's not. So I know you're probably looking at, that's Romeo. No, it's not. <laughs> that is Ty Dolla Sign. They both beige, and they both got the same nose. And they got them cute, um, you know, eyes. You know? So, but no, that's Ty Dolla Sign. That is not Romeo. Okay? That is not him. And as you see, even the fucking, um, if you look at the bottom here of the label, it even says that it, this is Jerome. That is not Rome. That is not him. Look at the bottom of the photo. It labels the people in it. That is not Romeo. <laughs> that is Ty Dolla Sign. That's not him. Mm -mm. That is not Romeo. So Romeo came and replaced Tied out sign. And then later on, the half pine left the group and LDB came in place of him. Okay. So that's already two members that left immature. It wasn't Romeo from the start. No. Ty Dolla Sign was the original member of Immature. So remember that this is immature. This is the original immature. Because when Romeo came, he never left. So that means that Ty was there first. Ty didn't replace. Romeo, other way around. See what I'm saying? So Romeo came in a group and never left. He's still in it to this day. So it's LDB. So is Marcus Houston. But Ty is not. So obviously Ty came first. Mm -hmm. Period. So um, here flip. This is. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is uh, Romeo in House Party Three. Um, yes, that is Romeo. That is Romeo. He is in House Party 3. Ty didn't last long, but he is in other places, and we're going to get into that. So let's get into that. I know y'all are just like, what? Okay, so let me show you better than I can tell you. But okay, <clears throat> so let's get into this, and then we're actually going to get into it. And so Marcus Houston says Ty Dolla Sign was part of Immature's band. Um, Houston said uh, Brandy and Ray J were the backup singers for the group um, in their early days. Before Ty Dolla Sign pressed forward in his dreams of being a solo artist songwriter, the Cali native flexed his instrumental talents in the 90s R&B group Immature. Previously noted in Ty's 2014 Fader profile, and we're going to get into that, um, he played the keys for the wildly successful collective. Now, one of its front, uh, front men, Marcus Houston, detailed the extent of Ty's involvement. Um, in an interview the Apple, uh, with Apple Music Beats, um, Houston shared that Ty jo joined the group around age seven or eight. The paranoid singer was discovered by Chris Stokes, who managed uh, B2K. Um, a lot of people used to say him and Rome from Immature that they kind of look like brothers. So they would call them brothers. Houston shared. So I'm like, okay, well, if you're saying they, if you're saying them, were they in a group together? I'm like, I'm confused. Like, why you keep saying them and all of that? I'm like, this is weird. So I'm, we're going to get into that too. And I'm going to show y'all why I think he was saying that, okay? And so um, we kind of knew his family and his family was musically driven. Oh his God, dad, Big Ty, was in the music. In, was in it's, it's good to know the backstory, but I don't have a lot of time today to do all that. Let me just show y'all these pictures. And we didn't think anything of it in the 90s, did we? We didn't think nothing of it. We thought that was cool. Shirtless with the little 
fixing. Ain't it weird that they'll never talk about this type of stuff? I wonder why. <laughs> I, I wonder why. I wonder why they'll never talk about this shit. Why? That's all of them. Everybody on stage was an immature. Including the backup. That's half my birthday thing with them. And Ty is on stage. But Romeo was never the front men. They pushed Ty. They pushed him because he was one that was actually talented, as you can see from today. That's you true. See, Romeo had a solo career. It sucked. That is not, I don't agree with that. I think that they were all very talented. I mean, it takes a lot of skill. He's somebody. Well, we're going to get into that. Well, we ain't listening to the market singing anyway. You can train a kid to whatever. You know what I mean? They did a good job. They were going against crisscross and all that. Here's another group. They so, um, here, Flip. Was being molested. And, so, and he did the same things that you were doing, depriving them of certain food, depriving them of girls, um, and then mm. alleged sexual assaults. Um, we're, we're, and we're going to get into that as well. Um, so it's no different than um in sync it was the same thing with a lot of things that went on with them um when they went lance bass uh with him being in the group afraid to come out because he knew that it would ruin the group you know hence like a j-bug or you know little fizz and omarion not wanting this to come out you know just based off of you know being connected to being gay it's literally a career ruiner so I mean it's it's factual. It's it's a career ruiner. So Lance Bass with all the white privilege and everything that he fucking has for him not to even want to come out and he withheld his secret to protect the band. It's in this documentary. Lance says it out of his own mind. Let me read y'all the shit. Fuck this shit. Um hmm. where is it? Okay, well, let's read this uh, to state what Lou Pearl did. But um, after their use of fame, they um, have the same experience as BSB, which is the Backstreet Boys, did. With Lance recounting Pearlman's uh, presenting each member of the band with a check for just $10,000 at a dinner after they had sold over $10 million in records. And the first time they had been paid, aside from the receiving a daily stipend of $35. So not only did he do that, to, in, or to the Backstreet Boys, he did the same thing to NSYNC. So why would I not think that everything that happened with B2K didn't happen with Immature and they were first? You did the same shit. You financially exploited these boys. You robbed them blind, just like Lou Pearl. And he held certain things over them. Just like you did with B2K and Immature. You would hold things over B2K to try to make them feel like they needed to be as successful as immature or more successful. So you pinned them against each other because IMX was still a group while B2K came out. You did the same thing. Lou always made NSYNC feel like the Backstreet Boys had a problem with them and they didn't because Lou was doing the same thing to them. Making the Backstreet Boys feel like NSYNC had a problem with them. And that's not, they had no issue. The problem was Lou. Just like the problem was you, Chris. You were the fucking problem. Get the fuck out of here. So let's get into Lance. Okay, so the 90s were a different time, Lance explained. If you came out, if anyone knew that you were gay, it was a disaster. 
and people would really flip out. I felt like if anyone found out I was gay, the record label would immediately drop us and the fans would hate us. These were all the crazy things that went through my head as a teenager. So I trained myself into being a certain person and and the per and the, became that person. So basically tricked myself into being a heterosexual so that I could be heterosexual is what he's saying. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Include talking about girlfriends in interviews, including Boy Meets World star Danielle uh, Fischel, or however you say the fuck her name. When it was when I was 19 or 20 and everyone started having serious relationships, that's when I really um, started feeling the depression for the first time. Lance admitted to ET. All the guys had girlfriends and we'd get a couple days off and they would be with girlfriends and I was the only one who didn't have anyone. That's when I started getting really scary and feeling like because and because like I can't keep this ruse up much longer. Um, he also told Andy Cohen who was having sex. He was having sex with women while he was in the band. He said, I was doing it and doing it well. He said on Watch What Happens Live. We did it and we we did it. We did, we did what we had to do to survive. So he's admitting I was sleeping with women knowing I was gay. I did it to keep a pill for the band, for the group. So Chris, why would J-Book, Fizz, or Armarion want to come forward and state anything without getting labeled as gay. Being abused, Chris, doesn't make you gay. But it's hard to distinguish the two when something gay is ha oh, happening God, in your I didn't know he was, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to get all into all that. But you know, respect Sean David Way. He that's his that's his research. That's his that's his platform. He's awesome. I really enjoy being a part of his um audience. He's a lot of fun. And you you know the fun thing about going side note, okay, complete side note. Um, I like going into these different podcasts and like guesting on there or like being in the audience in the chat. And then it becomes like a bunch of other people do the same thing. So then you kind of get this like online community thing popping. And it's pretty fun, I must say. So. Oh, thank you, guys. You know, I don't even know what to say or think. I just display some information because it touched my thoughts today just the brief thing and for anyone who's watching i really appreciate you please please click like please click oh do you like these this is pretty cool huh yeah i got some running around to do somebody said my hair didn't look cute on my other when i was guesting on cinderoni and that's because i was like still trying to i just came off vacation man i was chilling i hope this looks a little better give me some feedback I love it. Uh, yes, I've got a little plump here. I've got a, I've got a new piece. It's pretty cool. My crystal with my chakras on it. It's really cool. And I hope you have a great day. You know, we just saw a bunch of traumatizing things, and I'm like, have a great day. But uh, no, have one, though, because that's not any of our business, to be honest with you. It's just education and entertainment. You know what I'm saying? But it's something to think about because that's a part of the community of, uh, of, of what's going online, 
online. That's a, a, a hot topic right now. And um, we need to be more aware of our children and where we leave them or have them or what they're exposed to, right? And we need to be cognizant of that because a lot of children are online for a long amounts of time playing games or having these online friends and you need to be aware of who they know online. You know, check this out, check this out. Okay, so there was this prom, right? At the job I'm, I'm, I'm at. And one young man, I said, are you going to the prom? And he was like, no. And I was like, why not? You don't have to have a date. I didn't, I, I didn't have a, I kind of had a date, but he flirted with my homegirl all night and he was trying to drop me off first. Uh, anyway, you could go solo, you know? And he was like, no, I, I, he don't know nobody except people online. I said, you know, that's trifling. You could fix that. You know, there's no excuse for that. You don't have to have it like that. Cause he was trying to be like mad about it. And I was like, literally there are boys and girls all through the halls all day. You can talk to somebody, choose something different. Don't make excuses for it. If you're lonely, fix it. Only you can only you. Okay. He still didn't go to prom, but you know, Hey, I gave him some good advice. I think anyways, um, do you come on? Give me some feedback about this. He put the dude in a coma. The other dudes be looking crazy or are they crazy? Or I mean, what, what's going on? Very interesting. Very interesting. Now I got to go. I got to go. I got shit to do. Hope to see you later. You know, I think I might be interviewing my dear friend I've known since high school. I went to Hollywood High. I went to Belmont High for ninth grade. Shout out Belmont High. I went to Hollywood Performing Arts Magnet for 10th through 12th, class of 90. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Anyways, we knew him as Alan Payne, I believe, or Alan. I think his name was Alan. Alan, not Alan Payne. Alan I don't, House. Alan House. We knew him as Alan House. He is known as AJ now. AJ1. That's W-O-N-E. And he is absolutely extremely creative and using a lot of artificial, artificial intelligence to do a lot of creative artistic film and music and and doing some like global work and stuff so i'm gonna interview him i think today i'm not quite sure i'm gonna double check that that is happening this week though it might be happening today um everything's a choice even if you're what's up with these eyebrows i cannot anyway everything's a choice you know Raz B coming out telling all this business like this is a choice you know he's choosing to you know you know is there another way he could have done it uh there's always another way you know but he already threw all that shit out there you know so i don't know why he's throwing his shit out there again or right now but that's what's up anyways it's been fun Look at that. It's been fun. <laughs> you see how scripted that shit is? We just talked about some heavy, heavy ass shit. It's been fun. Um, 
I don't how do I get this background off of here? Anyways, please click like. I'd very much appreciate it. Super much. You know why? Because it helps with the algorithm. Look at my room. It's not really a mess. It's just a bunch of papers, though. And I didn't make my bed, you know. And I got a bunch of papers I'm sorting out and things like that. It's pretty fucking cool. Anyways, yeah. All right, y'all. I hope you check in later. I'm going to hopefully do this interview with AJ1. That's A-J-W-O-N-E. You can check him out on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, he has a website with, uh, he's, he's helping preserve film, black films from like the beginning of film to the present. It's pretty awesome. And he's also utilizing AI to make amazing music and beautiful art that connects with it. And I can't wait to talk to him. Plus he's just such the doll to look at. I don't mean to objectify my friend, but, um, he has a beautiful face. <laughs> uh, I used to be really good friends with his mother too. His mom and I were get really good friends and, uh, she passed rest in peace. Um, wonderful woman. Her name was Kita Gianetti. She used to dance on, she was a regular on soul train back in the heyday, man. That's his mom. And we became cool because when she used to come to pick him up from school, you know, I, I'm a talker. Right. So we get to chalk in and stuff. And, uh, you know, she knew somebody I knew, which is Juliet Hagerman, Miss Hagerman. Miss Hagerman was my Barbizon teacher back when I was in high school, when I used to go to Barbizon modeling school. <laughs> yeah, I learned all that etiquette stuff. Blah. 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 Anywho. So that's how we became friends. And we've been friends till she passed. So I feel a very good familyhood with, with my friend AJ. And um, I'll see y'all later. I got to go. All right, peace. Click like. <laughs>